What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. I am your host, Hayden Vozar. I have here with me Matt Vozar, one of your co-hosts. And yeah, we are heading into Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is listening to this on. You're probably not listening to this on Thanksgiving because you're spending time with family and friends. But if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Friday or whatever day that's close to Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys have a good, good relaxing vacation. I know that I'm having a good vacation so far here at home. I came back on Saturday and it's nice to have almost a full week off and away from college where I have to worry about other things other than just football and podcast and eating food. So it's, it's nice to just focus on those things for now. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, once again, I, I won't hesitate to mention that nobody cares about your Thanksgiving schedule. People care about their own families and their own lives, and it is good to encourage people to celebrate, but it doesn't really matter what time you got home from college, and it doesn't really matter that you don't have anything to do except for not work this week, um, because a lot of people out there are working every day this week, uh, you know, usually excluding Thanksgiving, but yeah, so just, just a little word of the wise there. It's fun that you're chilling at home, but there's a lot of people who are, who are, who are, doing, the, who are doing real work out there. Um, and they should be commemorated for that as well. Yeah, well, Matt thinks he's a big dog on campus now that he has a real job and he's working the day after Thanksgiving and the day before. So he's he's not in school anymore. So I think he's maybe a little bit jealous of of Mr. Hayden, who is still in school and still does indeed get five, six days off for, for Thanksgiving. So I think you're just jealous. Well, yeah, no, I think you're just, you're just rubbing it in at this point. I mean, it's not just me. I'm just, we have other listeners out here that aren't in college, not just necessarily who are working regular jobs, just like me. So we gotta, we gotta think of the people. Okay. Gotta think of the people. Alrighty. Well, speaking of people, everybody who doesn't like NFL on Thanksgiving, as you guys know, we have, NFL coming up. We've got three games, six teams playing on Thursday, as always. But before getting into this week, because we probably won't be doing a preview of this week, we're going to talk about this past week and a couple of things that have kind of transpired in the NFL throughout the year up until this point. And so I'm going to let Matt take this first topic off and say what he has to say. So the first topic is talking about the Titans. So the Titans are still the number one seed in the AFC, but we got to talk about how lopsided their wins and losses are. Six of their eight wins are against teams that made the playoffs last year, including five in a row before this past week against the Texans. Yet they've lost to the Cardinals, who that's a respectable loss. And the other two losses are the Jets and the Texans, two of the worst teams in the NFL. So the question here is, will their lack of performance against inferior talent impact what they do in the playoffs? And, and I think this is really what we're trying to get at here is, is like they've been really good against these good teams and they've proven it week after week. And so we've seen kind of the, you know, the situations that they end up in facing good teams and prime time games and, you know, and it, whether it be on the road or at home and it's like, Oh, the Titans are going to lose, you know, this week because they've just beat the Rams. You know, they, Oh, they just beat the Colts. They they'll definitely lose this week. No, they keep winning. Um, and so it, it, they've been kind of the talk of, of the NFL up until this point solely because of the quality of talent of the teams that they've beaten. Um, and, and it's just so funny to look at the losses that they have, two of which are right. The, the jets and the Texans. Now you can argue that, you know, they played the jets and the Texans each respectively in kind of a sandwich spot, a tough, a tough, kind of junction in their own season where they've come off of a, of, of a few good wins. They've come off of playing good teams and being in really kind of, you know, good battles against, against these good teams. And so sure, you know, you're not going to expect a team to, to be able to perform at such a high level every single week. Uh, you know, especially when you have, you know, you're playing good teams on your schedule and everything like that. So, so there's obviously going to be some letdown spots, uh, you know, kind of built in there. Um, it's just, it's just like it, 
should a letdown spot, you know, come against a team that is that is just, you know, like like the Texans? I mean, obviously, you know, getting Tyrod Taylor back to help help for them, but um, but who hasn't really proved every, anything outside of that? Um, the only other team that the Texans had beat was was the Jaguars, who were you know also one of the worst teams in the NFL. So it's it's kind of like they they had these great games against teams that they you know weren't really even expecting expected to be beating, uh, and then they kind of. You, they they kind of turn out these stinkers as well. Um, I I personally don't think it'll have any effect on how they perform in the playoffs because I think, I mean, if if we're going to kind of continue the narrative here, if they play well against good teams, well, what are the playoffs filled with? The playoffs are filled with only good teams, and so I think that once they kind of just you know they're facing up against this com this competition that's that's uh, that's kind of you know kind of week after week and 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 expected to be you know playing up to these standards in these good games. Um, I don't see a reason why they would they would kind of falter against these these quality teams that they'll be facing in the playoffs. I think the real question, the the the, the one thing that this kind of comes down to, is the status of Derrick Henry, and that will pretty much be decided. I think basically up until the playoffs start, I think some people are saying, you know, he might be able to get to get back in the, in the last week of the season, but most likely it'll be the first week of the playoffs. And if they are able to grab the number one seed, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of, we still have a, a, a good chunk of the season left here, but if they are able to grab the number one seed, uh, they'll get a first round buy um, because of the new rules with the 17 playoff, only one team gets the buy. And that's the first, that's the, that's the number one seed. Um, and obviously, as we've seen with kind of other teams in the AFC with the, with the chiefs and the bills struggling a little bit, you know, the Titans, I think it's wide open for the Titans to be able to kind of pull that off. So if they are able to, and they get that extra week, that's another week that Derrick Henry has to recover um, because he's really the X factor at the end of the day. Like they've won these games against good teams with, without him. Um, but you know, their defense has been playing well. Ryan Tannehill was playing well. And I think we saw an example of kind of a game in which Derrick Henry would have really helped this team when the rest of the team isn't necessarily playing their best. I think we saw a hundred percent effort from the Titans you know, the Titans team outside of Derrick Henry in their past couple wins. Um, and then as obviously kind of, you know, as we saw in, in the pouring rain uh, on Sunday, you know, against the Texans, the team wasn't necessarily playing well, but in that case uh, in, a, in a rainy game against an inferior opponent, you know, that's exactly when a Derrick Henry can become available. So, um, so I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll really impact, you know, kind of how they're doing right now will impact how they play in the playoffs. I think it's really just all dependent on Derrick Henry. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same exact thing. And just to kind of add on to this, obviously we know Derrick Henry is the X factor on this team. And if he's not playing, they don't have a very good chance of winning. Now you could say, okay, well, they've beaten a couple of good teams while he hasn't, well, since he's been hurt. And yes, that's true, but they've also one of their losses against the Texans or their loss against the Texans so far this season came last week when they didn't have Derrick Henry. So really, I mean, they've only really had two losses without Derrick Henry. And one of them was against the Jets. Yes, but it was a very close loss. And we can't really, we can't really bash them for that because team, you know, it's the NFL. Like the teams are supposed to be even teams are supposed to have, you know, kind of sneaky wins here and there sneaky losses. It's, it's going to happen because the league is supposed to be equal. Right. And so I, yeah, I, I think what we're trying to get at here is more of, the, the fact that their playoff advantage does depend like solely on Derrick Henry. They don't, what they do right now doesn't really matter. They're just trying to scramble for wins. Like Matt said, they're just trying to scramble for that number one seed. So, or yeah, for that number one or number two seed so that they can get a first round buy in the playoffs. I don't think it really matters what they, what they do during the season. They just need to squeak by because they know that when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs, they're most likely going to have Derrick Henry and, like Matt said, hopefully they can get that first round by so they can rest him even more. And so they can, so he can be even more sure that he's healthy for, for those upcoming games. So, right. Yeah. I, I think that the Titan, they're fine, dude, the, the Titans, they have nothing to worry about. And I think they have really surprised us with their defense. Like was Matt, like Matt was saying, everybody, their defense was supposed to be like the worst in the league. And I think they still are in terms of um, in terms of fantasy points given up against like opposing receivers, something like that. I mean, I've seen them last in some categories, but I mean, like we've said, fantasy categories and um, you know, if you go by fantasy guidelines, it's, it's, it's a lot different than actual like logistically or a actual 
logistical analysis and everything like that, like how a, how a defense actually performs, it's a lot different. So their defense, right, they're, they're getting stops. They're getting stops that they weren't looking like they were going to get at the beginning of the season. And, right, they're holding teams to a lower amount of points and everything like that. So, yeah, I think it's I, – I, I think they're fine, and there's, there's really nothing to worry about there. Um, one thing – one other thing in the AFC that that I wanted to talk about, and this is moving into topic two here, is the AFC North. Okay, so we kind of have a battle in the AFC North. It's always like this. The AFC North is always like the mo- the chippiest, closest division, and it's there. It's a good division. Don't get me wrong. Like they, it, it's not like the you know it. It's not like the uh, NFC NFC North where you know everything is just like every team is so bad and you just have to deduce or not, not, not NFC North, NFC East, right? Yeah. NFC East, sorry. NFC East um, where every team is so bad and you just kind of have to deduce like who's the better bad team. Right. So the a- NFC North, I mean, AFC North is, is, is a great conference and they, they always duke it out. But what I wanted to talk about is I have two questions and th- those two questions are what team is going to win the division and then the next question is what team has a better chance at making the at making a run in the playoffs okay and i think that there's two different teams that are the answers to these questions first of all i think the ravens are going to win the division they're in the lead r- right now by one game and they still have five whole division d- divisional games left to play they've only played the bengal's once they haven't played the steelers at all they haven't played the browns at all so in their last seven games of the season, they have five divisional games left, which is pretty crazy. I, most teams, I think, have a, have around like three to four maybe, but I, they might be one of the only teams with five divisional games left. And that's huge because we've seen the, the Browns, they've fallen to pretty much everybody recently, right? And so I think that they're going to pick up two against the Browns. I think that they're going to win this next one against the Bengals because the Bengals blew them out, I think, 44 to 17 or something like that earlier in the season. So I think they're going to pick one up against the Bengals. The Bengals are kind of slowing down right now, but don't worry. I'll get to the Bengals later. And I think that they're going to go one and one, one, one and one with the Steelers because that's what they usually do. Right. So we're looking at four divisional wins in their last seven games. I'm predicting now they're, they're, they're two non-divisional games are against the Packers and the Rams, which are possibly two of the toughest teams in the NFL to play against. And right. Those will go how they go. But I think that these, if they win these, if they win at least four of their seven divisional games for the rest of the the season, I think that they're going to win the division outright. I don't really think it's going to be a question. Now, I asked the second question and I said, who has a better chance or who has the best chance of making a great run in the playoffs? And I think that's the Bengals because I think and I, we've talked about the Bengals before on this podcast and how we love Joe Burrow and his explosiveness and his chemistry with Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon has been turning it on lately too. In the past seasons, he hasn't been what we've what we've thought that Joe Mixon can be. But this season, he's really showing us what he can be. He's staying healthy and he's doing his part, right? And so I think that if they can, if they can now their, their defense is the problem, right? Their offense, no problem at all. But their defense, they they let up a lot of points. And as we know, you can't really make a run in the playoffs unless you have a defense. Now, the Bengals. Right, they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now statistically, but I think that if they can if they can fix those problems and if they can make their defense just a little bit better, I think that that offense can really make up for a lot of the mistakes that they make on defense. Right, we see that a lot with you know with, with a lot of other teams, possibly Tennessee. You know, their offense is just so explosive that maybe it gives their defense some confidence, whatever. But I think I think the the case here is that yes, we're going to see the Ravens win this division, but I think we're also going to see Cincinnati maybe get a wild card. And if they do get possibly get a wild card, I think they have a great chance of making a run in the playoffs. I think they're a pretty, I I think they're a sleeper in the playoffs. They've had a couple tough losses. They lost against the jets as well, just like the Titans did. But again, I think the Bengals, you know, if you have a couple tough losses that kind of works the kinks out and, and I I think that they have a really great chance of making a run in the playoffs. 
I'm going to go Contrera in here. Um, I'm going to use both the same teams that, that Aiden just mentioned, but I'm going to flip them around. I think the Bengals are going to win the division. They're already two and one within the division uh, with wins over the Ravens and the Steelers. And, 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 and as I mentioned, the Ravens are 0 and one, they lost to the Bengals and they still have five out of their seven games uh, against divisional opponents. And you can say, you can look at it from the perspective of that's a ton of chances to win divisional games and, and, and you know, and really kind of earn the tiebreaker because in most divisions, the winner of the division, if there's a, you know, if, if, if the two or three top teams have the same record, it goes to divisional wins. And so the Ravens have a good opportunity to rack up those divisional wins, but I'm going to argue that if you're playing five out of the seven of your final games against a division, it's already tough to beat, you know, the same team twice in a season. They're going to have to do that against the remaining three teams on their schedule uh, or the, you know, that are in their division. And then the other two games, as Hayden mentioned, are the Packers and the Rams. I mean, that's essentially like saying you have to win almost every single game on the remainder of your schedule with, you know, as we kind of saw with the uncertainty with Lamar Jackson, he's sick. I think he'll be back. I think it'll be fine. Um, but, but right, I think that's a lot to expect from a team that has – played well up until now but hasn't really shown a lot of spark and so once you kind of get into those closer games against you know against the Steelers who they're not that great but I mean if Baltimore's going to Pittsburgh like that's always a dogfight so we're not really going to be able to see the Ravens kind of I think take advantage of so many divisional games and, and win them all uh, to, to kind of run away with the division whereas I think the Bengals they've already kind of proved what they have and they have two more divisional wins already than the Ravens do um and so obviously, you know, they'll, they'll play the Ravens again and, and we'll see how that turns out. But I do think that the, that the Bengals have the best chance to win the division right now, which is like absolutely crazy. I mean, if you would have told me going into the season that the Bengals would be even in contention up until this point, much less my pick to win the division, the AFC North uh, by the end of the season, I, I would have thought you were crazy. But that's just kind of how it's played out. And I think they have the offense humming and and the defense has some work to do. But but I do think that they're able to really take advantage of the talent they have on offense and, and they've done well so far. Um, on the other hand, I do think the Ravens are the team that can make the deepest playoff run. And so I kind of say that I don't think they'll win the division because I think that the remainder of their schedule is so tough, especially with those two non-conference games against the two, you know, two of the best teams in the NFC. However, once you kind of get through that gauntlet and you, you really are going to figure out kind of what your team has, right? They're going to be able to figure out what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. They're going to hopefully get some, get some pieces returning, you know, with the running back situation there, the offensive line is beat up. Once they get some guys that are returning from injury and, and, and they've kind of run through this, these last seven games of their schedule, I think the Ravens are primed for a playoff run. Um, and especially as we kind of talked about the theme of this episode so far, the AFC is really up for grabs and, and, and any given team can win on any given day. And I think the Ravens are a very solid team. They know what they are. They know what they have. They're, they're, they're defensive minded, even though their defense hasn't played too well as of recently, but I mean, Lamar Jackson runs that team and he runs it well. And I think that, you know, the, the, the coaching staff lines up with the players and the interests are very all the same. And that's exactly what you need in a team that's going to make it far in the playoffs. I don't think the Bengals will be able to make it far in the playoffs. A, they don't really have that much playoff experience on their, you know, on their team. Uh, and so they don't, really even know what it's like to kind of play more than the regular season schedule um they have you know kind of a, a younger coach zach taylor he hasn't been in the league that long uh you know again i think they're still trying to figure out what they have on offense and kind of get that clicking which won't really add up that won't really that's not a really a good recipe for going further in the playoffs so I do agree with the two the two teams that, that Hayden mentioned, um, but I'm going to flip them on this case and, and say that, you know, because of the remaining schedule, I just think that it'll end up with the Bengals on top in the AFC North, but, but they'll be knocked out. I think they'll be knocked out of the playoffs before the Ravens are. Yeah, I think something that you said that was interesting was the fact that you think that the Ravens will, after their five game or their, their, their streak of five divisional games are going to be primed for a playoff run. I think maybe the opposite can happen too, is that they get tired out because of those five divisional games. Cause we know that like Matt said, they're all dog fights. The AFC North is every, every AFC North divisional game is just always so chippy and, and, you know, fight till the end and everything like that. So I think that they could possibly be really tired after that. Again, that kind of, proves my case about the Bengals having a better chance of, you know, kind of staying healthy and kind of staying rested through these, through this last part of the season. 
into the playoffs where hopefully that they can, you know, turn on the Jets some. But again, I mean, yeah, Matt, Matt really made a really good case about these two teams flipping. But yeah, I think that the the overarching point here is that I think the Ravens and the Bengals have the best chance in that division to come out on top, whether it's the Bengals or the, Ra- the Ravens winning the division, whether it's either of them making a, a, a big run in the playoffs. But sorry, Steelers fans and sorry, Browns fans, but Browns, dude, Browns fans are really mad because th- this was their season. Like that's, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I If I was a Browns fan and I was coming into the into this season, like, you know, so hype and so pumped for my team to do well, well, sorry, they're going to come in last <laughs> again. I mean, was it their season though? I think that, yeah, they had a good win against the Steelers in the playoffs last year. And then they, you know, you, I guess you could make the argument that they could have beaten the Chiefs. I don't know. I, it, there was like a last second, you know, there was the whole, there was the whole, you know, the timeout situation, whatever. Um, but yes, they could have, they could have beaten the Chiefs in the divisional round. But, um, but, but I do think that, it, it, I don't know. Yes, they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of talent returning. They had a great season last year. They got 11 wins. I get that. But it's just like, it almost seemed like a perfect storm last year. And it was like, you needed all of this talent to, to mesh together and to play together well. And that's what happened. But then, you know, and, and, and we, yeah, sure. They, they beat up on the Steelers in the first game of the playoffs. You know, we, we definitely saw that and, and, and kudos to them for being able to do that. But I don't know. I just felt coming into the season, I thought that there was, there was almost too much hype. And it was almost like, you know, you're kind of, you're walking on eggshells when you're, when you're talking about the team. And again, I, I, obviously we, we can all sim- have sympathy for bounce fans because of how, you know, historic, uh, historically the, the, the program or the, uh, the team has been kind of a lo- on a losing streak, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was necessarily a surprise that they're doing worse than they were, but I do think it is a surprise, you know, to see that they are going to, again, kind of like in the same situation, the Bengals, if you told me the Browns finished last in the AFC North at the end of the season, like that's crazy. Obviously we still have a lot of games to be played, but, but yeah, I'm not sure if it was like, it's a huge surprise that they're doing, uh, you know, worse than they were last year. Yeah. I also think that the, the Bengals, if, if there's anybody else in the league that I'm rooting for, which I would, I never would have thought that I would say this, but there's anybody else in the league other than the Patriots that I think I'm rooting for. It's probably the Bengals, dude, because again, them too, like they've been pretty bad. They, they haven't, I mean, Andy, ever since Andy Dalton started there, they've kind of been mediocre at best. And then obviously when they got Joe Burrow, everybody was so hyped that he was going to be their saving grace. And then he tore his ACL or MCL or both. I, I don't even know that that play was just nasty but yeah but i mean now that he's back he's proven that you know he, he can do something for their team and and shoot them up in that division and so i think yeah i mean it, it's it's great to see them to see them perform like i said joe mixon is another guy that you that you just love to see succeed because again he's kind of struggled in the past but yeah i think that i'm rooting for the Bengals at least and maybe that's why i said that they have the best chance to to make a playoff run but anyway that's gonna wrap up our NFL talk for today. Moving on to college football, like usual, we've got more college football playoff talk, and I will let Matt talk about his scenario for Cincinnati and if they can stay in the playoff. Yeah, so just to start this off, we got the the college football rankings were dropped on Tuesday night. Uh, obviously, Georgia State at one, as they have been the whole season. The big news, I think, in the top – well, there's actually two pieces of big news in the top four. The first was that Ohio State jumped Alabama. Um, and, and we saw after the recent results of last week, Ohio State beat Michigan State by – 49 points and they were up 49 nothing at halftime and it just it it never stopped from there um and i do think that they definitely earned uh you know the the jump in the rankings that they got i think they're the second best team in the country behind georgia and i think that you know it, it it's it sucks to say that you know it'll probably end up being them in the championship it probably will um i'd be i'd be delightfully delightfully surprised if it wasn't um, but, uh, but we'll see kind of how that play all plays out. Obviously Alabama dropped one spot. They're now at three and then Cincinnati jumped into the top four for the first time all season. They are ranked fourth. Um, and I think that that is, that's a really interesting thing here. Uh, and I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit, but the, just to kind of round up the top 10 here, we have Michigan at five, Notre Dame at six, Oklahoma state at seven, Baylor at eight, 
Ole Miss at nine and Oklahoma at 10. Um, so there's, there's, this is a really interesting ranking in my opinion. I'm going to go first of all, and just kind of say, where's Oregon? Oh, that's right. Oregon got knocked out of the top 10 after losing at Utah. And I told you guys this two weeks ago, I said, look, they're going to have to play Oregon twice and they're going to lose one of them. And I was right. They lost the first chance that they got and they got crushed. Um, you know, not as badly as Michigan State got crushed by, by Ohio State, but but basically just as much and not as much as we were thinking. Again, I think, you know, they were making the point that it's like, oh, OK, well, Michigan State was 20 point underdogs going into that game. They were expected to lose by a lot. You know, Oregon was three point underdogs. So so at least, you know, show show something there. No, they didn't. And and I think, you know, they're they're clearly out of the playoff running for now. And that's kind of why Cincinnati was able to take take over. Now, it's interesting that Cincinnati was kept was was included in this version of the playoff however i think there's still one scenario remaining that will keep cincinnati out of the playoff and a lot has to happen but it actually can happen and and here's the scenario so essentially oklahoma and oklahoma state play this saturday the winner of that game will play well look it it's all it's all crazy but basically if oklahoma wins that game then Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will play again the following week in the Big 12 championship, okay? If Oklahoma State wins that game against Oklahoma, then Oklahoma State will play Baylor in the Big 12 championship next week. The interesting thing about the Big 12 is that they have three teams ranked inside the top 10. Oklahoma State 7, Baylor is 8, and Oklahoma is 10th. Essentially, what I'm saying here is that the team who wins the Big 12 it, if, if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State go on to play in the Big 12 championship, the winner of that will probably make it into the make it into the college football playoff. If or the winner of I'm sorry, let me just start over the winner of this week's matchup versus with Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. If they go on to then win the Big 12 championship, they will probably make it into the playoff over Cincinnati. Now, it, there's also another scenario that can keep Cincinnati alive in this is if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship. Okay. So we have these two, essentially these two power five conferences that haven't been decided yet and will, and have a team inside the top four, but, or can jump inside. All right. So it's a hugely, you know, confusing situation that we have here, but essentially if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, Alabama will be in the top four. That's just how it's going to work because it's Alabama, it's the SEC, it's the biggest conference, it's the best teams. They're going to make it in the top four if they win the SEC championship and they beat Georgia. Secondly, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they both have one loss. The winner of that game this week, if they win the Big 12, they're probably going to make it in as well. Because again, for the same reason as the Alabama, right? You have a storied program, you have a great conference with big teams and powerhouse competition. If both of those things happen... I think that the winner of the Big 12 is going to be able to jump Cincinnati and make it into the college football playoff. Now, again, if Alabama loses their SEC championship game to Georgia, Alabama's out. Okay, so if Oklahoma State goes on to win, you know, they beat Oklahoma, they win the Big 12 championship, they'll make it in the playoff. But if Cincinnati, Cincinnati will be in because Alabama will have lost that game. So, again, there's a lot to be figured out here. And, and, and there's so many, you know, so many different scenarios that can that can still play out. But I think that's really the both of those things have to happen in order for Cincinnati to be kept out. And I think that's probably very, very unlikely to happen. The other interesting thing that I noticed was that they really you could have made the argument that keeping Cincinnati out of the playoff was more, they were almost doing that on purpose. They were keeping them outside of the top four as up, up until now, because if they put them in the top four, it would be, there would be outrage if they took them out. Okay. So that's kind of how this was lining up is like, all right, well, you know, Cincinnati's outside the top four, but if all this stuff happens, which, you know, there's a lot of teams that are still in there, they still have games against really good teams. Those teams will fall and Cincinnati will move themselves up naturally. But there is still a lot of opportunities for teams that are in power five conferences to really show their stuff, win their conference and earn their spot as one of the top four teams in college football and can very much bypass Cincinnati. So I'm I'm really interested that they put Cincinnati in the top four, because I think that it's 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 harder to 
put them in the top four and then take them back out instead of just kind of leaving them outside the top four, waiting for the other teams to lose and then putting them in kind of once it all matters uh, in terms of kind of, you know, when the college football playoff starts uh, to determine a national champion. Um, so, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give Hayden the floor, kind of see what he thinks about all this and, 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 and see where we go from there. Yeah. So I first want to give a little shout out to Matt for kind of playing out this scenario because he he's had this, written down and he's 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 had he's told me about the scenario probably for about I'd say well basically ever since last week right so for about a week right he's been telling me the scenario and and been saying right this is if, if this happens then Cincinnati's going to be out now I want to give a shout out to him because when I was watching the college football playoff show that's literally what he just said about Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC championship. That was a scenario that, that they suggested um, on, on the actual college football playoff show selection show that, that that was a scenario that they gave that would leave Cincinnati out. So I, I, I want to applaud Matt on that because he got it basically right on the noggin. Okay. And he's, he's better than it. all these TV guys. I'm telling you, this is what you come here for. You come here for the content for the people. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it, that was, that was a very good analysis by Matt. And that Matt's, Matt's really good at that kind of stuff. Kind of like working out all these scenarios, right? He knew, he knows exactly who's going to be in the big 10 championship based on who wins this week, everything like that, or in the big 12 championship based on who wins this week. Like he, he knows he has all that stuff already, already in his mind. And it's just pretty, pretty crazy how he, how he, you know, remembers all that kind of stuff and puts it together and puts the, puts the puzzle pieces together. Right. But yeah, just to kind of give my, my input on this, on this here, I think if, if we're being honest here, I, I really don't see Georgia losing to Alabama. Alabama had a tough week or not, not a tough week, but a tough win against Arkansas. They kind of, you know, they, they were trying to pull ahead and they just couldn't really seem to escape them. Arkansas had that crazy fake field goal touchdown. That was sick. Like I, I was, I saw, I didn't see it live, but I saw a replay and I thought that was the literally like one of the greatest things. Cause uh, again, I think it was, it was probably 34 to 17 or so, I think, at the, or maybe 34 to 20, I think Alabama was winning and Arkansas just has some, you know, 40 yard field goal that you would expect them to kick because again, you're playing Alabama and you want to, you, you're within, you know, within shooting distance, right? And so you kind of want to play conservative and, and, and keep the game within your bounds. But again, you're playing Alabama. And if you're losing by 14 in the second half, you're probably not going to win. So I love the play call by Arkansas to go out there, fake the field goal, get your holder, whoever threw it to, to, to throw to the tight end. And they, they went in and scored. That was sweet, dude. I, I wish teams would do that more and especially in college football, because Again, college football, like the guys out there don't really know what they're doing half the time. You know, you'd expect them to because they're half of them are getting paid to go to college. But yeah, sometimes they don't know what they're doing out there. So why don't why don't you just go out there and 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 fake a field goal or fake a punt? You know, I, I wish it would happen more. But yeah, I mean, like like Matt said, it's I I think that since this is the only way that Cincinnati gets knocked out, I think this is a good way to look at it and say, okay, well. Cincinnati probably going to stay in the college football, college football playoff, which I did predict, by the way, I, I, I got Alabama and Ohio state wrong. I think it was two weeks last week or two weeks ago when Matt asked me what, what my top four would be. I think it was last week, last Tuesday. I think I said that my top four would be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, and then Cincinnati. Now it's probably going to be Ohio state, Alabama. It's probably just going to stay that way um, again, but, but, Okay, but here, here's the other thing. So, Matt, so what, what do you think – and I may just be missing the mark here, but what do you think will happen if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship? Then Alabama has two losses. So what do you think? Yeah, do you Alabama think won't be in if they lose to Georgia in the national championship. I think the committee has made that clear that they, they incentivize wins over – I guess tough competition. And so you can't you can't keep out a 13 and 0 undefeated Cincinnati over an Alabama team that yes, you know, maybe Alabama's more talented but you 
but but they lost their game at Texas A&M. Texas A&M had a backup quarterback. Their defense was hurt, and they lost that game. And and so you know, obviously, right? You know, there, there's a big game against Georgia coming up. But I I think that you can't you can't incentivize you know Alabama to just because they're such a big brand that you know if they lose the game, then you know oh we still have to keep them in because they're Alabama. No, that's the point of the college football playoff is having the opportunity for teams who have proven themselves in the regular season to win these games and to have a chance to win the national championship. I will say congratulations to Hayden. He he's doing well with his predictions of the top four teams. And I appreciate uh, his, his praise upon my analysis. I will forgot one scenario, one thing, and I'm going to let, I'm going to lay it out for the people right now. Okay. If, Michigan Ohio State play this week. That's going to be the biggest game, you know, on the schedule, whatever. If Michigan beats Ohio State this week, Michigan is in the Big Ten Championship and they play likely Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. If they roll Ohio State and they roll Wisconsin, they're sitting there at number five. You can't tell me that Ohio State, after all they've done, and they're definitely in the playoff. Dude, if Ohio State loses, they're not even the Big Ten Championship. So there's no way that Ohio State will be in the playoff if they lose this week because they're not going to even be able to play for a conference championship. And that's another thing that the, that the college football playoff committee, uh, you know, incentivizes is winning your conference championship. And if Michigan goes out and does that and they're sitting at five, they're going to jump, you know, into the playoff. And so essentially what you end up with is if two of the three scenarios that I laid out happen – then Cincinnati won't be in. Okay. If Michigan wins the big 10, if, if Alabama beats Georgia and if Oklahoma versus Oklahoma state, the winner of that wins the big 12, if two of those three Cincinnati, uh, sorry, if two of those three situations occur, then Cincinnati probably won't be in. But I think again, like I said, that's a lot to go right. And I'm, you know, confusing the crap out of everyone who's listening right now. And I think that's kind of to prove, you know, you being confused about this is okay because I'm here to tell you the scenarios, but the point is it's so confusing that it probably won't happen. And I really hope that that's the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so confusing to the point where Cincinnati, basically what we're saying is Cincinnati has a very good chance of making it in and staying in, which will be a huge jump in the direction of letting undefeated teams in no matter what conference they're in. Again, like Matt said, prioritizing teams that have a good record and have put on, you know, have, have put the record up that they, that is needed to be able to make it into the, into the playoff. Like we've seen in, in past seasons, we wanted this with UCF. We wanted this with coastal Carolina, you know, obviously that would never happen with those two teams. We thought that it would never happen, but you know, Cincinnati's a start, non-Power 5 conference team, possibly making into the college playoff. That's huge. Yeah, and uh, speaking of undefeated teams, it's it's just a tragedy because UTSA is going to go 13-0. and They're going to win their conference, and they're going to not even probably be in the top 10. Obviously, yes. I mean, if Cincinnati – even if Cincinnati played UTSA tomorrow – Cincinnati would win that game. UTSA is just in a, they're in a lower conference. They don't play, you know, the, the, the talent, the, the same, you know, kind of level of, of good teams as everyone else, but we need to shout them out. Okay. We need to be, we need to stand for the road runners of UTSA. Okay. Meep, meep. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to topic two of our college football talk. We've got some more Heisman talk. Now, like Matt said, Ohio State absolutely routed Michigan State this past week, and C.J. Stroud went absolutely nuts. He threw for 396 yards, we'll call it 400 yards, and six touchdowns in the first half of that game. Like Matt said, it was 49-0 to at halftime, and C.J. Stroud was responsible for six of those seven touchdowns. All right, so again, C.J. Stroud, was he was in the Heisman running, Kind of, he, he was there, you know, Bryce Young was as, has always been in the lead. CJ Stroud was, you know, usually top three, maybe fall down to four a couple times. But yeah, the, the, main, the main three guys that, that were in the Heisman running were Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Kenneth Walker, right? Order, not, that, that's not in any particular order, okay? But now that CJ Stroud had that amazing game against Michigan State, he has gone up to number one and is the clear favorite right now the heavy favorite to win the Heisman the betting odds on that by the way are 
minus well i looked at this i think a couple of days ago so it may have changed since then probably not the betting odds on that are minus 220 for cj stroud plus 220 for um for bryce young and then it's the next one is like plus 2000 or plus 1800 i think for kenneth walker i mean it's it's something crazy so basically it's those two guys that are still in the running but like i said minus 220 that's that's still a heavy favorite right and so we have cj stroud in the lead for the heisman right now and it just seems like it's it's one game against a passing one of you know one of the worst passing defenses in 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 power five conferences that michigan state has right and so like yes 400 yards and six touchdowns is impressive against anybody you play no matter who it is i don't care 400 yards and six touchdowns is just against time. Like that's, that's impressive just against time, right? Not even against the defense. So we have to give it to CJ Stroud there, but I think, I think what what's happening here is that, you know, maybe like, like it, it's, it's one game. And I think that Heisman voters might start, they, they, they might be starting to, to miss the point of the award and it's meaning. Okay. And so, I think for me, the now this might not be true, but I think the Heisman Award should be kind of like an MVP award. And I think that's what a lot of people think it's, it, it is and what it should be. Now, there's no specification that it is a most valuable player award because I think if, it, if there was specification that it is, then it would, there would be a lot of different players in the running. So if we look at a guy, like we've said, Brennan Armstrong, who's been – the clear X factor on UVA's team. And you've like, I mean, yeah, UVA, they're, I think six and four, six and five, I think maybe. I, I, yeah. I think they're six and five and right. They're nowhere near making it to the, um, in, you know, in the top 25 or the, the college football playoff. But again, like Brennan Armstrong has, I don't know if he has the most passing yards still. I know at one point he did have the most passing yards out of any quarterback in college football. And he just broke the record for the most amount of TDs in a single season by any UVA quarterback in UVA history. And he has 30 TDs. Now he just passed some old dude. I don't know who had 27 before. So again, we're seeing guys like Brennan Armstrong and guys like Kenny Pickett just, and, and, and also guys like Matt Corral, Matt Corral is high in the running too, but these guys they're doing an astronomical amount for their team, but they're not really getting the recognition for it. And so we're kind of awarding these quarterbacks and I, I highlight quarterbacks because it's basically a quarterback award by now, but we're, we're, we're valuing these quarterbacks that are right. They're helping their team win, but they have a lot of help along with them, like along the way, Bryce Young is a perfect example. He, I mean, Alabama has undoubtedly the best wide receiving core every single year and that and they, they have so many um, wide receivers that go into the into the league and have so much success in the league and that's because they always have a great wide receiving core in Alabama and we're now rewarding Bryce Young and saying okay well he's the best player in all of college football because he has these great receivers and because these these receivers can you know turn a seven yard slant into a 75 yard touchdown like it's it's I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just rambling here, but I, but to, to bring him back to the point that I want to make, I think that the Heisman voters are really valuing good teams and, and players that are on good teams rather than a most valuable player type award, which I think it should be because again, the best player in college football may not be on the best team in college football. I completely agree. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad that we're kind of talking about this because it, it is, it is very much a high kind of, you know, fantasized type of award. Okay. Yeah. It should go to the best player on the best team. And in some circumstances it warrants it, right? Let's think back to 2019. Joe Burrow was the best player on the best team at LSU, but he was the reason that they were so good. Yes. They had a lot of good NFL talent, but he was, I mean, like the season that he had, he had the best season ever in college football. Um, No one's ever going to throw for as many yards and touchdowns as he did. And again, he did it against great competition. And so, but, but I do think that, right. You know, this year we're entering this phase where there's not one person who's really standing out above the others 
And, and so we're just like, okay, well, let's just go back to our default, which is the best player on the best team. And, and, and we've talked about in past episodes, right? Ohio State's a perfect example of a team where like that system, that offensive system, Ryan Day is an offensive genius. He's their head coach, but he calls the plays. He knows what he's doing. And it's essentially like this. You hike the ball, look this way then look this way and there's going to be a wide receiver running straight down the field and he's going to be wide open and you throw it there. And so there's not really, you don't necessarily have to have to have a lot of, you know, I guess, you know, smarts or, you know, I mean, that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Like you don't have to really, you know, dive into a defense and really read coverages and stuff. If you know exactly what's going to be open on every single, you know, given play. And to be honest, like CJ Stroud's, you know, receiving core this year of Garrett Wilson, you know, Chris Olave, and then, and then Smith and Jigba, like those guys are all, you know, probably first round NFL talent. And so if you're throwing to those guys at a, in most cases, you don't even really have to go with the system that Ryan day has presented. You're essentially just like, okay, well, you know, I know that these guys are just better than every single play. These guys are better than the guy that they're lining up, lining up against. And so I'm just going to throw them the ball and they'll, and they'll, and they'll catch it. Now, obviously, right. You have to have a lot of talent to be able to play on these teams and with these, you know, the great competition they're playing against. But at the end of the day, right. I think that there, there definitely is a lot of, you know, fantasization. I don't even know what I'm trying to say um, <laughs> with this, with this award where you end up in a situation where, you know, just because the, there's a great player, just because the quarterback plays on a great team doesn't mean he's necessarily the best player in college football. And so I agree with the examples that Hayden gave. I think the only hope that we have going forward is the fact that Devontae Smith won it last year. I had been I had been hoping and hoping and hoping that he would that he would win it. And I think that eventually it came down to the fact that really nobody was able to surpass him, uh, you know, kind of as we got later into the season there, but I'm, I'm glad that, you know, a wide receiver was able to win it last year. I think that because of the numbers that CJ Stroud is putting up, it, it'll be hard to top it. But again, I think that, you know, Kenneth Walker, like he leads the nation in rushing in the big 10, a power five conference. He leads the nation in touchdown. Like, it's like, this guy is the reason that Michigan state won all the games they did. They've only had two losses. They're still in the top 25. So it's like, are you really going to, you know, are you really going to take the award away from him when he's clearly the only reason the Michigan State is even relevant when like there's a pl- there's plenty of quarterbacks out there who can succeed in the Ohio State system. So I think that's really what it comes down to. We'll see what happens. Um, but but I do think that, right, there, you, we kind of should be putting an, an emphasis and awareness on the fact that, you know, Heisman voters and kind of the, the way that the Heisman Trophy ends up working out is a little bit, we're kind of starting to miss the point of it a little bit, and its meaning is starting to kind of be, be torn away. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people, a lot of people can make a, a, a case for, quarterbacks being the most valuable position in football, right? I get that. But like Matt and I have said, it, it, that doesn't always mean that the quarterback position is the only thing that matters in college football and the only the only position that can really contribute to a win. When you think of guys like Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel, like those guys are playmakers. Those guys deserve to win a, a, a trophy like the Heisman Trophy, you know, best, best, best player in college football, no doubt about it, because they were their whole team, right? Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, like Johnny Manziel was the st- the star of the country when he played, right? And and same with Tim Tebow. Like Tim Tebow went out there and just it was just you know he would get dirty, he would get like bloody and stuff. First, like, that's that's the type of player that I that I think I, I should win the Heisman Trophy. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's like Bryce Young. Bryce Young's made plays, but it's just like, dude. He, he's, he's on Alabama. Again, I know I've said it so many times, but like if you're on a team like that and you're not really making super flashy plays and super, you know, amazing plays and, and you're, you're, you're fighting for every yard you can get, like, I don't, I don't think you really deserve to win it. All right. That is your football talk for this week. Uh, it was a lot, but you know, we're still here. Uh, and, and what we're going to do next is, another one of Hayden's fun segments, holiday related segments. I will let him introduce it, how it's going to flow. And and we'll go from there. Alrighty. So another fun segment, I, I promised you guys that we would have one for Thanksgiving and it is Thanksgiving week. So I'm not, I'm letting up, I'm giving up Christmas for one week. Okay. 
But you best believe that I'm going to be back on that Christmas train after this week. So here we go. Thanksgiving. We got the Thanksgiving special today. We've got eight Thanksgiving foods. So it's going to be four each, four for me and four for Matt. Now we've picked out our four Thanksgiving foods each. And what we have to do is compare them to any athlete. It doesn't have to, doesn't matter if it's football, basketball, anything. We have to compare them to an athlete and then give basically just explain why we think that food is the best comparison or why we think that athlete is the best comparison to that food. And this can be subjective because a lot of these foods, Matt and I feel either very strongly about or very not strongly about. And so you guys may not, dis, may not agree. And so again, these athletes are kind of subjective to our perspective on, on these foods. Now it's going to be kind of like a, one after the other. So I'm going to give one food and Matt's going to give one food and then so on. All right. So my first food I'm going to go with is apple pie. All right. Apple pie is one of those things that it's a dessert. It's usually nice and warm. You know, if you put some ice cream on top, the ice cream is going to, going to melt and trickle down the sides. Right. Now the athlete I'm going to go with here is Brooks Kepka. Now hear me out. Brooks Kepka, he's a, golfer for those of you don't know he's a golfer and he's probably he's he's arguably one of the calmest has one of the calmest demeanors in sports he's so calm about his game he's really honest about his game he he'll tell you when he's sucking all right and and he'll admit to it and he'll like he'll get mad at himself but he never really shows emotion okay and so i think that apple pie is just one of those things it's just very mellow and very warm and i have to mention it Brooks Kepka, pretty good looking guy, and apple pie comes served hot, right? It's it's served warm. So <laughs> Brooks Kepka, if you know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> More of Aiden's questionable comments. We can make that its own segment at this point. Screw yeah. the fun segments with Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. We'll just have Aiden's questionable comments as yeah, another fun segment. Um we also, just as a, as a kind of a, a, a disclosure to get out there, we took a kind of a different approach with this. Each of us did. Hayden has athletes that spread across multiple sports. I focused on only one sport. I chose the NBA because I just think that you, there's so many personalities. There's so many individual talents um, that that you can kind of choose a lot. There's a bigger pool to choose from, I think, in, that, in, in terms of relating it to foods. So my first food, uh, I don't know why Hayden went with the dessert first, because why would you? I mean, I guess you can eat dessert first if you want, but I mean, I mean, we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're talking about turkey, okay? Now, turkey is broken down into two different meats. If you don't know that there's white meat and there's dark meat, then I don't know what you've been doing all your life, but that is a very important distinction, and there are very important differences in the taste and the texture and everything, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you two players for each of the types of meat. White meat, Steph Curry. Okay, he's flashy. It tastes, he, he, you know, white, white meat. Really, it, it, it's 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 out there. It's laid out pretty on you know on all the packaging and, and everything like that. And on the you know on the plate, it looks delicious. And that's Steph Curry, right? He's he's very you know he's very kind of a. He, he, he doesn't really get down and dirty. He's just kind of, he's a pretty boy. He shoots his threes. He makes a lot. Now, again, he's been playing unbelievably this year. And we can get into that a little bit next year. But like this guy is, he's doing, thing, he's doing things that he himself has never even done before. So, but it, you know, that's just kind of the way he plays. Now we have the dark meat. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more forgotten about. It's a little bit, you know, harder to reach. It's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily as appealing. And that's where we have Draymond Green. They play on the same team and their chemistry works well because of this. He gets down and dirty. He's a scrappy player. He fouls hard. He stands up for his teammates. And that's exactly what you're looking for. So when we go, when we're talking about Turkey, we're talking about two different types of meats and we're talking about two different types of players, but it works well together. I love white meat. I love dark meat on, you know, with, when it comes to Turkey. And, and I think these are great comparisons. All right, moving on to my second food of the day. I've got mashed potatoes and gravy. Now you can go mashed potatoes by itself. I was considering just doing mashed potatoes by itself, but then I thought, okay, well, gravy makes mashed potatoes that much better. Okay. Now you can have mashed potatoes by itself. You can't really have gravy by itself. I guess you can, but that's just really bad. So this kind of works one way, but, but let me just, let me explain it. So mashed potatoes, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. All right. 
mashed potatoes always, always great. If if you mess up mashed potatoes, you messed up life because you you really can't mess up mashed potatoes. At least you can't royally mess it up. We've seen Aaron Rodgers, you know the the Packers lost to the Saints and earlier in the season, like thirty eight to three or something, right? We've seen that Aaron Rodgers and he, I think Aaron Rodgers had like one fantasy point that week. We've seen Aaron Rodgers have a couple shaky moments. Mashed potatoes, you can have a couple shaky moments, but overall, you're really gonna like mashed potatoes. I've I don't think I've ever met anybody that doesn't like mashed potatoes, or I don't think I've ever met anybody that likes potatoes and doesn't like mashed potatoes. That's kind of what I'm going for. So Aaron Rodgers is the mashed potatoes, but the gravy, you got to give me Devontae Adams, all right? That combo is unmatched. Nobody is touching mashed potatoes and gravy. If if it's out on the table, you're taking that. If you see the mashed potatoes, you'll put it on your plate. If you see that gravy, you're diving right for that gravy, right? Same thing in fantasy. If you're if you're in a fantasy draft, you've got well, I guess nowadays it would be it would be Devontae Adams first and then you go for Aaron Rodgers, right? But same thing. If you got one, you're going for the other right away, okay? And it's the it's it's the the dynamic duo, and you're always you always know that you're going to get something good out of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Same thing with mashed potatoes and gravy. If it's on your plate, you know you're getting something good. All right. So my next food is going to be mac and cheese. Uh, it's a classic. It's fundamentals. Okay. You can have you can mix the cheeses. You can get a little bit fancy with the noodles. You know, it, it comes in all different shapes and sizes. But at the end of the day, you're getting mac and cheese and it's and it's and it's it's comfort food. You love it. It's delicious. Who's the fundamentals in the NBA? It's Kawhi Leonard. This guy is a beast. He plays defense. He plays offense. He shoots threes. He dunks the ball. Okay. He he, he does everything right. Um, and, and clearly we've seen, you know, every team that he's gone to, essentially, every team he's been on has won a championship so far. And he's been the NBA, the the, the, uh, the finals MVP on, you know, both of those teams. So, uh, you know, hopefully the Clippers can get started here pretty soon when he comes back from injury. But I think he's a perfect example of mac and cheese. He's just there. He, he, he does the fun. He does everything right. He does the he does the basic stuff. He does the complicated stuff. He helps his teammates. He's always there for you, just like mac and cheese. Alrighty, moving on to the third food of the day. I have got cranberry sauce. All right. Now, normally I would not get cranberry sauce on my Thanksgiving Day plate because I personally don't care for it. I think I've only met like maybe two people in my life, including my dad, that actually like cranberry sauce. Now, my dad isn't in the room right now. He's in the other room. But I know that if he were here, he would probably make a case for liking cranberry sauce. But if, if you like cranberry sauce, then fine. So be it. I guess it's it's like a sweet part. It's, it's kind of like a dessert almost. But for cranberry sauce, I am comparing it to Alex Caruso. And my reasoning is if you look up, if you just go on Google and you search a Thanksgiving day plate or Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving food plate, if you see cranberry sauce on there, the color matches nothing on the plate. It's red or burgundy or I don't even know what color it is like dark red. Everything else on your plate is a nice white, you know, beige, a couple browns, maybe a couple, you know, like dark greens in there with the green bean casserole, whatever. But then you see the dark red, like jelly stuff that's smeared across the plate. It looks so out of place. And who else looks out of place on an NBA court? Alex Caruso. We know Alex Caruso is the meme of the NBA. He looks like he should either be living in his mom's basement at the age of 30, or he should be working for a law firm, working 70 hours a week, trying to win your case in trial. Okay. It, he doesn't look like he should be in the NBA. We know he's out of place. We know cranberry sauce is out of place. If you have it on your plate, it may taste good, but it just looks bad. And same with Alex Caruso. He, he can contribute something to the game. He contributed to that, to that you know, Lakers final uh, finals win. But again, it's Alex Caruso, dude. He's got the headband on. He just looks terrible. You don't look good. Cranberry sauce, you don't look good either. All right. Well, hot take about cranberry sauce. Um, stuffing is my next choice and, and, and kind of similar to what Hayden said. I mean, it, it, it's this is a very much of a personal preference, right? Stuffing is stuffing is controversial. You either. Well, no, it's polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. 
The athlete that I think represents this the most is LeBron James. Now, this is not talking about talent. Obviously, talent-wise, LeBron is the best player in the NBA. He has been for however long. He's an amazing NBA player. But I'm talking about more off-the-court things. The whole, you know, calling himself the GOAT, you know, being the, the face of the league and just, oh, I can't do any wrong. I can't do, you know, and then he's getting in fights with dudes who, who were just trying to earn their first paycheck, you know, a, a week ago. And then it's like, you know, come on, what are we doing, dude? So there's a lot of, you know, you, you can either stand, I think, on one side or the other with LeBron. I think it's the same way with stuffing. Personally, I don't like stuffing. It, why are we eating dried bread with celery? Whose idea was this? Okay. I don't know why. But, but that's how it is, I guess. Some people like it, some people hate it. That's why LeBron is the, is the perfect comp, comp there. All righty, moving on to our fourth and final food of the day. I'm going to go with bread or dinner rolls or crescent rolls. At my house, it's always crescent rolls that we have on Thanksgiving. If you don't have crescent rolls, I recommend you try them because I think that they're arguably, arguably better than just regular bread rolls or, or, or dinner rolls, okay? So I'm going to go with crescent rolls here. And like I said, they are amazing. They are a staple. They're kind of like what Matt said for mac and cheese. You know, they're all reliable. You can never go wrong. If there's, if, if there's anything on your plate that's going to taste good, that you know is going to taste good, it's crescent rolls, okay? You, you know, mashed potatoes might be lacking a little. You know, the, the, the turkey might be dry, right? You might, you might have wet stuffing on your, on your plate, which is so bad. Okay. Like every stuffing is wet to me because it's just the consistency I can never get with. Okay. But right. You have crescent rolls on your plate. They are a staple. And so is Ryan Fitzpatrick to the NFL. Okay. This man Fitz magic has been in the league for, I don't even know, like at, at least 15 years, 15, 20 years. And he's been bounced around at every team, but every team that he goes to and every team that he plays for, he shows out. He's always consistent. You know, he may have a couple games here and there where he throws a lot of picks, but if he, th- if he throws a lot of picks, he's going to balance it out with touchdowns. So he's always going to give you a good game. He's going to go out there. If, if you sign him, you know what you're getting, right? If you get, if, if you put crescent rolls on your plate, you know that you're going to be eating something that'll make you smile something. Okay. Everything else could be questionable, but crescent rolls, you know what you're getting and you know that you're going to be enjoying your food. All right. I'll wrap it up here with the last food. I'm going to go with a corn slash bean casserole, some type of casserole, some type of, you know, we got a little mixy, mixy. We got a little veggie. We got a little starch. We got, you know, we got happiness. Okay. And what we have with a casserole is we have a versatile food that mixes well, well, multiple foods that mix well. They can kind of go with anything. You can kind of, you know, you can, it's okay if you, if you get a little, if you get a little casserole on your turkey, because it's going to make it taste good. Okay. So it mixes well with other foods. It's versatile in and of itself. It tastes good. It's, you know, it, it, it really can, can do anything anyway. And the NBA comp that I have for that is Chris Paul. This guy has been here for, he is my favorite NBA player. He's been in the league forever. He's played with so many different teams. And obviously he's never won a championship. That's the one knock on him. But he improves the team no matter where he goes. And he's versatile. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's doling out assists. He's, he's pitching dimes. He's nailing threes. And I think we saw a perfect example of this in, you know, in the playoff run that the Suns had last year where, you know, he was really the staple of the team. And it's because of his versatility that they were able to go so far. So he, Chris Paul, represents the, the casserole, uh, you know, kind of whatever vegetable you want to put in front of it. Uh, definitely the best. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that'll round out the, uh, that'll round up the fun segment, the Thanksgiving edition. Alrighty, that was th- eight Thanksgiving Day foods compared to eight athletes. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys agreed with some of them, I'm glad. I'm, I'm sure that there's a couple that you probably agree with, a couple that you may not agree with. Like we said, if you like stuffing or if you like cranberry sauce and you definitely didn't agree with us on some of those. But nonetheless, I hope you guys had fun listening to it. Hope you got a little, guys got a little laugh out of it. And yeah, we will, like I said, on Saturday, if you guys listen to that Saturday episode, it was a little bit shorter than usual, which will probably be the case for most Saturday episodes. But we're going to be trying to upload twice a week now, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Saturdays is going to be a little bit of an earlier upload, probably 
midday-ish. And then, as usual, these Tuesday episodes will be at night after the college football playoff rankings are announced. So, yeah, just be on the lookout for those two episodes. Make sure you are subscribed on subscribed on Apple Podcasts and following us on Spotify. If you have both, do both. You can just listen on one, but just follow on both. That would be great. Helps us. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Uh, we will catch you guys after Matt gives out his lock of the week. <laughs> oh, what yeah. are we talking about? That's right. We got back on track with Minnesota last week. I told you Indiana was terrible. They were terrible. They got up early, but Minnesota pulled it out. They won by, like, 21 points. They won by three touchdowns, easily covered the six and a half, okay? Here we are. We're back this week. We're going a little, we're going a little off the map. If you will, I give you some power five teams in the last three weeks. We, we, we're going to stick to the, We're going to stick to what works. Okay. We're going to fade bad teams and who, you know, who's a bad team. Hawaii's a bad team. They got the Island. They're cool. I would have loved to gone to Hawaii university. All right. But that doesn't mean their football program is very good. They're going to Wyoming this week. Wyoming started out a little bit slow, but they're back on track. They got a big win over Utah State last week to put them in contention for the Mountain West title, okay? And what they need is they need a big win over Hawaii this week. They're at home. They're in Laramie. It's going to be windy, and Hawaii doesn't know anything about that cold weather, okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to lay Wyoming. You're going to take – you're going to you're gonna lay the points, okay? We got 10 – I think it's 10 and a half, something like that. They're going to win by, like, 20 points or more. Okay, it's very simple. You fade Hawaii, you take Wyoming, lay the points. Alrighty, yeah. I, I honestly see I forgot about, about about this little segment at the end. Now I didn't prepare a fantasy a fantasy sleeper or a fantasy waiver wire pickup for you guys this week. So this one might be a little bit obvious, okay, but we saw Michael Carter go down. He's gonna be he, he's gonna be out for I think two to three weeks. So if you're looking for a running back, if you're in desperate need of a running back, which you might be with a lot, you know, all, the, all these guys being injured, go pick up either Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. I don't think there's been a clear, like a, uh, somebody that's named a clear starter yet. And there probably won't be because these guys will probably share carries a lot. But again, it's one less guy. I'm, I hate to say it. Sorry, Michael Carter, but it's one less guy in contention for the Jets backfield. And so, if you can go pick up Tevin Coleman, I, I guarantee you these guys are available in your league. If they're not, then you're probably in like a 20-man league. But if you can, go pick up Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. They are playing the Texans this week. It's the battle of the bads, and right, they're, they're, pro- they're probably due for a pretty, pretty good game because the Jets, they don't really have anything other than their running game right now. So, yeah, go pick up those guys if you need somebody – for your running back spots or flex spots. But yeah, that about wraps up this episode. Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I almost ended it on Matt. <laughs> almost uh, almost cut him off, but I'm glad that he interjected. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed this episode, be sure to stay tuned for Saturday's episode and we will see you guys then. <laughs>